0: Welcome to the Xbox Wrap Up, I'm your host, Captain Logan, or just Logan. We're going to be talking about all the stuff that happened this week, so sit back, relax. If you missed out this week, don't worry, I've got the news covered for you. We're going to be talking for the next hour about some of the stuff that happened this week in gaming news, and some of that may include Horizon reviews, as well as an interesting program that Sony is starting to help try and plant some trees by playing video games. We're going to be talking about Destiny 2 and The Witch Queen. We're going to be talking about a shadow drop from Cyberpunk, if you've been waiting for that next-gen update it is out now i'm going to be covering some of the information from that also nintendo is doing some really weird dumb stuff that again always begs the question why are they trying to kill video games we're going to be talking about the game pass games that got announced as well as why games should have difficulty modes so sit back relax if you guys missed out don't worry i've got you covered Also, just to let you know, I went out and got myself a Rockstar this week, so I've got a code. So the last three digits for this code, if you head over to Halo.RockstarEnergy.com, you'll be able to enter in the code. The last three digits are going to be seven, M is in mom, S is in snake. So seven, mom, snake. The rest of the code is going to be in the tweet, so hopefully you were paying attention to Twitter when I put out this episode. And for that, I want to thank you guys very much. So sit back, relax, let's get into this week's news you yeah. gonna start off the news with some uh, information about halo infinite this isn't necessarily official but we did find out that the, apparently there's some leaks about the new forge mode that we're still waiting on as well as the uh, co-op now we don't know much about what co-op is going to offer as far as like number of players and things like that uh but we did find out a little bit of information about halo infinite's forge mode this article comes to us uh from GameSpot, thanks to cameron Koch uh they wrote up uh information about infinite leaks which is a uh, leaks underscore infinite on twitter apparently they uh, found some information that kind of talks a little bit about um some of the the opportunities or things that you can do within halo infinite's forge mode um in the tweet you can kind of see there is uh the ability to change weather on maps as well as uh being able to change the time of day as well too so there's things like uh being able to play uh footage of big team or big team battle uh fragmentation during uh, a blizzard as as well as what looks like the bazaar uh, during the night and a uh, live fire in rain, according to the article. Um, and they said that this is just the tip of the iceberg Uh, they said that a 50 video or a 50 minute video from unseen halo uh, detailing an early version of halo infinite's forge mode reveals a dizzying amount of objects and effects uh, players will be able to uh, use in the in the mode itself Um, they also talk about how you're going to be able to put a lot of interesting things in the world including a giant billboard billboard for spartan energy drink called gauze and as well as objects as like giant uh, ginger red houses and snowmen so really interesting to kind of see what the potential for this is going to be Uh, we don't know what is going to be like for sure going to be in here we just know these are some of the leaks a lot of this content may not actually arrive in the finished product of forge but uh, i am very curious to see like what people do with this Forge mode when it comes out. I know a lot of people are still really enjoying Halo Infinite. While the multiplayer suffers from issues uh, stemming from hit registration to multiplayer matchmaking with Big Team Battle, a lot of people still really say that the game is really good. I've always enjoyed my time with it, and while I haven't been the best at it or haven't really stuck with it just because of the the nature of the games that I typically do stick with, uh, I am really happy to see that Halo Infinite is still being played today. A lot of people. enjoying it and i think forge mode will really kind of usher in a new set of uh, opportunities for players to jump in mess around with some really interesting things i'm really curious i've never checked out forge in any of the prior halo games i just recently made it through the campaign for all of the games except for what was the odst was the only one that i got halfway through and i was like nope i'm done with this uh so played through all the other ones though uh, but this this seems really cool. I like that they're planning on doing this. I think a lot of people are looking forward to Forge. I think that's going to be a really good revival towards the end of the uh, spring, possibly beginning of summer uh, when it comes in during season two uh, with the co-op mode. And I think once co-op mode comes, I will probably jump in again and see if I can play through it with some friends uh, just to kind of have some fun regardless of the difficulty mode. Next up in Xbox News, let's talk about the next game coming from developer from software, and that is, of course, Elden Ring. Elden Ring uh, is a game that is going to be up there for contender uh, for game of the year from a lot of outlets. A lot of people have been really excited from this. Uh, A lot of people enjoy from software games from Dark Souls to Bloodborne to Sekiro. uh, Lots of hard games that people just really enjoy kind of working their way through and, and. and the difficulty has always been the appeal uh the satisfaction you get from uh killing a boss and making sure that uh that you get through the game without any kind of issues um i'm going to be talking a little bit later on about sifu and difficulty as well as metroid dread just uh, some of the stuff that i talked about last week um but to kind of speak to elden ring the thing that is bringing this up a week out from the actual release is the fact that people have started getting this game uh early that they have started to put out spoilers so So if you are looking forward to Elden Ring and you don't want to be spoiled on that, uh, best start muting things on social media now, uh, avoiding Reddit if possible, and just waiting until you get a chance to get your hands on the game before uh, really kind of going out and talking about it. I've been really excited to see how people like look at this. Everyone seems to be really interested in this. I have zero interest in actually playing it. Um, I've never played a from from software game. Um, I've never had any interest in in you know forcing myself through a really difficult game, especially given that many of the games that I'm playing are are playing catch up because I, I miss them due to other titles like World of Warcraft. So when it comes to getting through games, I really just want to get through it, experience it for its story, and see what. It has to offer the challenge doesn't necessarily draw me in uh, because I don't necessarily need that to get fulfillment from the game. Uh, I don't you know begrudge anyone that that uh, enjoyment from the game either. I understand that a lot of people really do like a good challenge and that's great that these games are here. Uh, from Software has spoken out about difficulty modes in the past and stated that they aren't planning on putting difficulty modes in, but they do offer the opportunity to have other people join in for co-op adventure which does help reduce some of that difficulty uh having someone who's experienced in the game taking you through it Is essentially an easy mode in my mind. So while it is something much on the kin or much in the way that Halo Infinite's co op mode to complete Legendary is an opportunity for players to enjoy a harder mode with other people, uh, it's not exactly the easy mode that I think a lot of other people who don't necessarily want to experience the game with someone else but want to experience it themselves uh, would love to have. But I I respect From Software's decision to not put in uh, difficulty modes if that's the desire that they want. It's just not. Not something that i'm going to put myself through uh, when these type of games come out it is really interesting coming from a perspective of not having any uh, experience with from software games to see the fervor that comes naturally with these games uh, i never thought that that this was going to be something that people were going to be so absolutely excited excited for uh to the point where they they are already heralding this as going to be the next uh game of the year for 2022 Um, it's a shame that this game's getting leaked out ahead of time. I always hate when this happens. This was happening uh, not too long ago with uh, Horizon Forbidden West. It was a real bummer. Um, I, I jumped on Twitch a little bit tonight just to kind of see what people were doing and game looks absolutely amazing haven't played the first one so I'm holding off until I get a chance to actually jump into this one but I'll talk about uh, I'll talk a little bit more about Horizon Forbidden West uh, later on when we cover some Sony news so um, th- the the game does have some you know some challenges still the producer of the game said that there are some particularly difficult bosses uh, that are hidden out in the open world and apparently. Apparently, the minimum specs for PC are going to be pretty crazy. Uh, the tweet came out. let see when was this? The tweet came out on the 15th for what the PC specifications uh, are going to be for Elden Ring. Uh, the the minimum specifications are Windows 10 an Intel Core i5, the eighth generation, or an AMD Ryzen 3, uh, the 33 or 3300 X series, 12 gigabytes of RAM which I think, uh, I don't even know if I have 12 gigs of RAM on my system. I think I might have eight, but I'm pretty sure I have four. And then an NVIDIA GeForce GTX GTX. 1060 with three gigabytes of RAM or at least an AMD Radeon RX 58 with four gigabytes of RAM Uh, the recommended specs which if you're if you're a PC gamer you should always expect that the recommended specs for a game are the actual minimum specs those are what people say that you should be playing the game at if you're if you're just trying to get the game to actually run then minimum specs are what you can accomplish with that but if you want to play the way it was intended, uh, you should at least be looking at Windows 10 or 11, an Intel Core i7 uh, 8700 series or an A80, AMD Ryzen 5 at the 3600X series. And you should have at least 16 gigabytes of RAM with an NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1070 with 8 gigabytes of RAM or an AMD Radeon RX Vega uh, 56 with eight gigs of RAM. Uh, you're gonna need at least DirectX 12 and at least 60 gigabytes of space. Um, that is, those are pretty high high PC standards. Now, the the in the graphics card, not so much. But uh, having an i7 8700 series, I I don't even think I have something close to that. I think my system. Which is a, a older system. Bear in mind, um, is is pretty <laughs> is pretty low as far as uh, uh, specs go. I think I've got let's see an i7 6700 so my chip is already uh two generations behind i've got oh i do have 16 gigabytes of ram so i should be fine on that but then my nvidia card is an nvidia 1080 yeah 1080 with i think uh gosh i can't even remember how much ram i have um but it's it's definitely going to be kind of between the mini minimum and recommended specs um so i will probably be playing this on console if i do play it uh, but again I, I don't know that I want to push myself. The thing that has me interested about this game, ironically enough, is the the fact that uh, George R.R. Martin worked on the story. And that's only because just in the last two years over the pandemic, my wife and I sat down and watched uh, Game of Thrones up until the last season, about halfway through when we just gave up on the writing. But I've I've always appreciated uh, his ability to tell a story in the Game of Thrones series, although I don't necessarily agree with all his All of his choices that he makes for characters, Um, he does write compelling characters. So I am kind of interested in what Elden Ring has to say. Uh, Funny enough, the director, Miyazaki, says uh, that the game's story will seemingly prove as complex as other from software games like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, uh, but is, is going to be completely cryptic about what's going on. Um, he said that George R. R. Martin, who helped create the game's world hi- world's history, uh, may be shocked to see what has become of his characters. Though he likened working with Martin to speaking with an old friend, which is kind of cool. You know, it's it's nice. Uh, I think George R. R. Martin has a, a really good way of telling, making a world. You know, creating that fantasy, uh, even if a lot of it does seem like it is it is pulled from some of the the natural stuff that comes from like Lord of the Rings and such. Um, if you're excited about this it's coming out next uh next week on february 25th which looks like that's going to be next friday um and that's going to be available on all systems but i'm keeping it in the xbox because i think that's where most people uh coming to this podcast will probably end up playing on it if that is something that you want to play speaking about other games that are coming out next week let's talk about 2 22 uh the day for Destiny 2. This is going to be the uh, new expansion, Witch Queen. I am actually really excited about this. Uh, if you guys don't know, I, I, I would be surprised. Uh, I've been playing Destiny 2 hardcore. Well, not hardcore. I've been playing it uh pretty, pretty steadily since 2020. Uh, When 2020 hit, July came around and I finally had a friend of mine, uh, Kylia, talk about uh, how much she's been playing it and how much uh, everyone that she she knows has been playing it. And she d- she agreed to Sherpa me. So I went into Season of the Lost uh, having her kind of be a backseat kind of Wikipedia for me. If I had a question about a system or a gun or what to do, she would be there to kind of help explain it, which is is huge when it comes to Destiny 2 because it is a very dense game and uh, they do not surface what you can and can't do or what you should be doing very easily which is why i think this is an interesting launch for destiny 2's the witch queen because i think this is going to be a way to level the playing field for everyone uh if you're not certain um they are finishing off the story of the lost uh which is kind of cool there's a lot of information about the story that is really dense and has been uh narrative threads that have been uh kind of strung out throughout the history of destiny one and two from what i understand i still do not fully comprehend what the hell is going on and i've been playing this game for two years solid now and have been sticking with it and i really i really could not explain a whole lot about what's going on but i do know that the storytelling is really fun I know that the characters are very interesting and I love the worlds that they build uh, because I think Bungie does an amazing job of creating set pieces uh, for your character to run around and do stuff in Um, I think Europa which is their ice planet that came with uh, the beyond light expansion is one of my favorites it hit at the perfect time because it was right around the time that um, what was it Christmas was coming it was right in November so everyone was already in that that mindset so getting in to Destiny 2 Witch Queen as we're getting into February, it'll be nice to jump into this really unique world. You're gonna be fighting enemies that are just like uh your champion with the with the hunter, the the titan, and the warlocks. Um, the gunplay is solid. The gunplay, I think, for Bungie has always been solid, but with the new expansion, not only are you jumping into the story uh that is continued on, but everyone's gear is all going to be out leveled. Like it doesn't matter what gear you have right now. Starting with Witch Queen, everything is going to be bumped up so much higher that everyone is going to have a big leap into a brand new set of gear. Uh, So if you don't have any weapons, if you don't have any gear, you're starting out fresh, then this is probably the best time to jump in because everyone is going to be getting uh, big, big upgrades for their, their gear. Um, Right off the bat and you don't even have to sit there and worry about it. So that's a really cool way to kind of approach it. It's a great way to bring in uh, new players. There's a new light experience. There's a whole new area in the website that actually explains, you know, like what what you should be aware of jumping in as a fresh player, how to get caught up on the story. Um, a lot of the stuff that is coming with uh, the the Witch Queen expansion itself is actually uh, a whole new rework to one of the uh, magic trees, the Void. There's a different different elements that you have, whether it be like uh, lightning or uh, dark magic, um, which they call Void and uh uh, stasis which is kind of their freezing one i'm blanking out oh flames they're like fire uh but they're doing whole reworks on this uh they're adding weapon crafting for fans that are are familiar you you know bungie has always made destiny about the rolls on your gun always about making you know finding the quote-unquote god roll and it's nice that they're introducing a mode that will allow you to kind of work towards building weapons that you actually want in the world uh they're also adding this uh new weapon called a glaive which is just kind of a pointy stick and you get to run around and point uh, your stick at people and fire at them with it, or it becomes a shield, or you can just smack them with a stick. So good on them for coming up with a way to make you know Donatello interesting in the world of Bungie. Uh, and overall, I'm I'm just excited for this. I've got a crew that I that I play with on a regular basis when I can. Uh they do a lot of raiding and I like to jump in with that, which is realistically the the goal of Destiny 2. If you're jumping in, you're either doing it for the PvP, which they're kind of good about, but really they excel at creating dungeons creating strikes uh creating these raid environments and and giving you interesting mechanics to do with gunplay that you that i i just don't see other games doing you know it's either call of duty or fortnite or apex which are all just bare bones shooters you've got halo which has a really good uh campaign but once the campaign's over that's it and you don't really do it with other people until they have co-op mode available so If you want to have that co-op experience, if you want to do something that's PVE and you want to do something that will actually uh, kind of play into the design of of having fun with people in an MMO style setting or MMO light, if you want, Destiny 2 is a great way to do that. And I think Witch Queen is going to be not only their, not not content wise, their biggest expansion, but definitely the most hyped expansion I think I've seen uh, next to Beyond Light. I think Beyond Light, because of its launch on Game Pass, uh, was a huge way to kind of open up the xbox uh, ecosystem for people that were not familiar with destiny but wanted to get in and try it without necessarily having to do that unfortunately because of the purchase from sony we won't be seeing any more uh, expansions come to game pass and they did take uh, beyond light out of game pass so you don't have access to all of the stuff on europa anymore unfortunately but with witch queen it's available there um, their monetization system is is absolutely crazy, so I don't blame you uh, for for being trepidatious. But you can play the base game of Destiny 2 for free, from what I understand. uh I remember New Light Experience they they offered that in gosh what was that 2018? I think it was 2018 when the New Light Experience came out. Uh, they put it out on on PC through Steam, and with that they were like, hey, you know, can play the game for free. We're going to be moving away from the Battle Net launcher when they broke from Activision Blizzard. Uh, Uh, And because of that, they were going to make the game free to play uh, for most of the content. I think the expansions excluded. Let's jump into what I think is probably the biggest news this week for Xbox fans. And that is actually uh, a game that pertains to a show that I used to co-host with. If you guys don't know, Cyberpunk 2077 uh, just shadow dropped patch 1.5. And you may be wondering, well, 1.5 doesn't sound very interesting. What's interesting about it? Next-gen versions are out. If you have a Series uh, S or X, or if you have a PlayStation 5 and you've been waiting for this next-gen console update, uh, wait no longer. It is out, and it is a beefy boy. It is a very large patch, and they are bringing numerous changes to the game that I think are bringing it up to par. Now, if you don't know, uh, I used to be a co-host for the Cyberpunk Lorecast. Uh, that it's it's a really good show that uh, Tom over at Robots Radio Network uh, does. If you don't know, he actually is the network that I'm on for my Keelhauled Thieves show, and this this was pretty awesome um they they decided to to finally come out with this it's not as big of a it's not as big of a patch as i was hoping it was going to be i was hoping that we were going to get some full-on story dlc that expanded some of the areas and gave you new quest lines and new love interests and new uh gear or things like that this was very much like a We're getting things up to the standard of what the game should have been when it launched back in 2020, uh, which is crazy to think that this game's been out over a year and we're just now getting to the state where people are like, oh, it's a good game. Well, to give you a bit of heads up uh, from my background on it, I have... The four playthroughs that I've worked on, uh, not all to full completion, but I have over 300 hours in the game. Uh, I will tell you straight up, if you're jumping into the next gen update uh, as a fresh character, you're going to feel like the game is a really good game. Um, with the Xbox Series X and Series S and PS5 versions, you're going to be getting new we- Actually, for all of the versions, you're going to be getting new weapons. Uh, there's new uh, apartments that are now available that uh, are in different areas of the world, and they they kind of uh, reflect the the atmosphere, the the culture that is in those. Uh, so there's one that's over in the Watson area. There's one that's over in Japantown. There's the uh, Haywood area, which is more of like the... Um, kind of the barrio area uh you know you've also got the corpo plaza which is kind of the uh the the kind of um how do i put this nicely it's the corpo people it they're they're kind of the the jerks of the group but if you want to be a corpo and you want to have a a really fancy upscale loft then go for it you can do that but uh, those are going to be something that is available with this update you can purchase them they vary in cost obviously with Corpo being the most expensive because of course Uh, and you can start customizing those as well too Uh, as well some of the things that you can do in the uh, in the actual apartments is now uh, things like uh, getting a a refreshed buff that applies for an hour when you take a shower uh, that allows you to regenerate health during combat uh, health will regenerate on its own up to 60% of the maximum threshold um, you've also got rested where you can get 20% on skill experience uh, you can brew brew a coffee which increases your stamina uh, by 25% and your stamina region uh, by 30% but uh, that's only for an hour as well And the idea with this is they want you to visit back to your apartment, um, which is an interesting play here because a a lot of the changes that came with this update feel like what they are trying to do is improve the immersion with cyberpunk which has always been kind of a thing that i've talked about wanting with Thieves or not with Thieves with uh, cyberpunk i've always wanted Thieves has amazing immersion by the way so that's that's beside the point but with cyberpunk i've always wanted to have this opportunity to live in the in the world uh and, and i think one of the things that's kind of put me back on this is or put me back on this in the sense that I'm not as excited as I should be with this really does come back to the idea that I have already played through this game full to completion. So for me to really appreciate the changes that they're making, I have to boot up a fresh save, which is fine. I have a PS5 now and that actually does kind of lend itself because the, the, the game plays that I did do on this were all on my series series uh series x as well as my series or my one x um because when i when this game was coming out I ended up buying uh, my first Xbox One ever was actually the Xbox One X. And it was the Cyberpunk uh, edition, which came with a copy of the game and two DLCs for free. Now, this game has DLC that has come out since launch, but they have yet to specify what counts as the two free DLCs. If those two free DLCs were story based or if they were just the jacket and cars and weapons and junk that they throw in uh, now. So I'm still kind of wondering about that. But to get back to, um, some of the stuff that's going on with this, uh, I probably should mention like what you can expect with the next gen versions and why that would probably be the best way to play. So the next gen versions are going to have ray tracing for local light shadows, uh, in the ray tracing mode. The thing about the ray tracing mode though, is that it is going to be 30 frames uh, per second, which honestly I can't really recommend. Uh, I would love to recommend 30 frames per second, but if you have a TV or a monitor that supports 60 or even higher, it's really hard to go back to that 30 frames afterwards. Um, But it does have 30 frames per second with uh, photorealistic shadows, thanks to the ray tracing and a dynamic 4K scaling. So it's not going to be 4K all the time. Um, With the... performance mode though you are going to get uh 60 frames per second with a dynamic 4k scaling i can attest to how good that looks uh the 60 fps is very nice Uh, it was always a a toss-up between either having 60 at a lower resolution or 4k with a 30 rev or 30 fps before this next gen update when it was just playing on backwards compatibility mode so having 4k 60 uh, as the performance mode now is actually really nice and the ray tracing brings it up to par with most of the mid-range PC systems that were available at launch looking at the series s uh, this is a little bit rougher because the series X or the series X has different modes the series s does not have any resolution or performance modes it is just a straight 30 frames per second at 1440 P with a dynamic resolution which honestly is is really kind of rough like at least offer 1080 uh, with 60 frames per second because if you can get 60 frames per second on the 1x and the series s is, is better than the 1x then I, I just i feel like that should be the case the streaming thanks to the hard drive should make it easier for that to happen i don't see why that's an issue so they did come out and say that they are looking into that uh that option for the series s which really should again kind of goes back to the idea that when this game came out uh, a lot of people had a lot of issues with its delivery very justified there was a lot promised and we did not get that delivered to us there were a lot of bugs that needed to get ironed out at launch and they struggled for the first two months to really get this game playable on most consoles Uh, so when they come out with a series s version and the series s version is a 1440p with dynamic resolution at locked at 30 frames that's still so unacceptable in my mind like you can go up to 1440 on the series s but you don't have to do 1440 on the series s most people are buying it with the understanding that it is a lower powered version of uh, the the software that is targeting 1080 monitors for the most part, uh, most people that are playing on 1440 are playing on on actual computer monitors, and even then, most of those people probably want something higher than 30 FPS. Because um, this is probably going to be something that they're using as a streaming machine. So the workload should be able to handle it. I don't know why that's not the case, but I'm glad that they're looking forward to it. Uh, the interesting thing between the actual PS5 and the Xbox Series X versions, there's not really a whole lot between the two. Um, the only main difference is that uh, PS5 is finally getting the spatial uh, headphone audio, which was something that was with the Xbox series versions when those were in compatibility, vo- compatibility mode, something I've talked about in the past where uh, the the Xbox One X offered 3D audio uh, in PS5 just recently had, uh, with its launch, 3D audio as an opportunity for people. The one thing that does come with the PS5 that the Xbox Series X just does not have the ca- capability to do is the haptic feedback. And the uh, the adaptive triggers. Um, so I've been playing on the PS5 version, and I have to say that I'm a little disappointed with the DualSense controller features. Um, these are these are features that I do think have uh use functionality it's not just a gimmick um i i think the haptic feedback in the joy cons is more of a gimmick than the dual sense i think the dual dual sense if supported well can really impact the gameplay feel of games you know when i go play destiny 2 on my ps5 or if i'm playing ratchet and clank uh or if i've jumped into um other games that, that support it well if it's supported well it feels really really different you know playing astrobot you can have uh, a, a vast difference in the type of uh, feel that the triggers have. And when you look at cyberpunk, all they've really done is add an, in- an intensity uh, value to it. So you've got zero or one in a range in between. Um, if you're at one on that that trigger setting it is like trying to squeeze a brick you're 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 trying to get blood from a stone at this point and it's just not working now if you lower it down to point 25 which i think is what i i found is 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 acceptable it's still kind of a mushy trigger feel it doesn't feel unique at all it feels like i'm just kind of squeezing a mushy uh, uh fruit at this point like i'm trying to bruise a, a an apple or something it's it's kind of weird um things that they could have done honestly is uh, a lot of the ARs and submachine guns in there, um, if you if you lightly tap the trigger, you can get a couple uh, single shots off. There's not like a single shot mode available with those guns. It's very rudimentary. Uh, but having haptic triggers and stuff like that, you can easily program it the way Ratchet & Clank does, where you can pull the trigger halfway and it will do single shot fire. Or you can pull it all the way down and do full auto. Um, that's how, that's how games with these, with these triggers should be designed with, they should have, you know, it's not hard to, uh, you know, have other games that, that do this better and then just, you know, create that in the program. If you're programming for DualSense features anyway, you gotta be familiar with the, the tools that are available. And I would be really surprised if Sony didn't make the, uh, the, the, the knowledge base available for game or for developers to be able to you know program for this kind of stuff so seems like uh seems like something that they wanted to do just for the sake of doing it because sony for whatever reason may have a a thing that says if you're going to release a next-gen version you have to support the dual sense which i don't blame them it's on par with what xbox says if you're going to be releasing a game on uh, the xbox series consoles then you really 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 should consider uh offering the smart delivery for them which is is effectively just making it so that regardless of whatever version you bought of the game you're getting the best version of that game for the hardware you're using uh there's already been some issues that i i i think i'll I'll, yeah why not I'll, i'll go into it so this is sony news but if you're playing the the cyberpunk 2077 game Uh, on PlayStation, you're only going to be able to pull one save from your PS4 from what I read on the documentation, uh, which is kind of crazy. You have to, um, you have to insert the game disc to be able to play the PS5 version. When you insert the game disc, it'll prompt you to a screen that'll take you to uh, a store thing where it'll say that you can upgrade for free. Once that's the case, you will then download the PS5 version. And anytime you want to play the PS5 version, you must insert the disc for that version uh, not not too unlike what Xbox has to do if you're playing a Xbox series version of a game but you purchased it physically through the Xbox One uh, you do still have to enter in the disc for that so not too unfamiliar uh, for Xbox fans but there are still a couple hoops that you have to jump through for the PS5 version based on the fact that you are not getting that smart delivery you do have to make sure you're installing the PS5 version thankfully CDPR or uh, CD Projekt Red, uh, they went ahead and changed the icon for the PS5 version so it does look different compared to uh, the PS4 version. So you should be looking for the female V with her back to the camera versus uh, the male V uh, facing the camera. Getting into a couple other things that I did want to touch on with Cyberpunk because it was kind of the big news with this. Uh, Some of the interesting things that they changed, which I again, I talked about how they were trying to bring this game up to the bare minimum of... Of expectations. Uh, they really kind of talk about how there's been a lot of changes to the AI. Uh, not only can you change how your customer looks, ne- or your customer, your character looks in the mirror when you go into any of the apartments, um, and you can pick up some of the new weapons from uh, the Wilson store, the Second Amendment store that's in the Megablock. Uh, or mega building the H10 where your your original apartment is, um, but they went ahead and changed some of the combat AI, uh, which is nice. They they made the uh, AI either more reckless or aggressive, balanced, defensive. They've changed it to make sure that it's not just the same expectation with the characters that you're playing uh, against or the character or the NPCs that you're playing against. Uh, and they'll they'll try to do things like taking cover or or look at their positioning. They'll also be reloading and equipping. Weapons and trying to dodge things. Um, They went ahead and changed the crowds as well now, too. So uh, there's now an aggressive crowd behavior, which, you know, if you're shooting into a crowd, which there's not really much reason to, but if you want to, I don't blame you. There are now, there's now going to be an opportunity where uh, when npcs are provoking or being provoked they can now pull out guns and start attacking you as well uh and you can actually kind of uh uh, see how people will react to that um there's some new driving changes that came to the game they've they've been trying to deal with the driving for a while Uh, they added a burnout mode which is the hold gas and brake to engage and then steer to rotate I cannot believe how much time they have wasted on stuff like this. Um, this is the, I think, third update to cars where they've added a mode that has been completely pointless. I think the the main one was the, the rocking uh, or rocker out. Uh, mode where basically if you get stuck on terrain, you can rotate or, or rock the car to try and uh, bring it off of that terrain, which honestly is just like designed better. Maybe, I don't know, instead of fixing, you know, adding a mode that tries to fix an issue where cars are getting stuck on terrain. Maybe make it so that the terrain doesn't, you know, pushes off the vehicle or, or I don't know, (laughs) figure figure something out as opposed to that. So, yeah, if you want to burn out your car, you can do that now. I'm sure it'll look great for some of the photo modes. Uh, They've also done some weird stuff like engine simulation has been improved for clutch simulation. A whole bunch of interesting stuff. Uh, One of the one things that I I jumped in and and took some footage of, uh, posted on Twitter, was the vehicle traffic uh, has changed. So now uh, people will actually panic in in cars so if you pull a gun if you pull a gun if you don't even fire the gun but if you just pull the gun and point at in an actual vehicle that's driving around those there's, there's now an opportunity for them to panic and start driving erratically which will then cause them to run over things in the world like completely dismantling uh, 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 light poles or uh, stoplights, running into other cars which will then cause those cars to panic which will then cause those cars to hit other things and other things uh, other people it's it's kind of silly what's going on with that and it's it's interesting but Overall, they've done a complete rework on all of the perk systems. So if you don't know, they have attribute points and then perk points. The attribute points are kind of like the D&D thing where you're adding to strength, agility, stamina, things like that, uh, including intelligence and cool. Those are always locked in, which I think is a mistake. They need to figure out how to give you an opportunity to reset those. Uh, but the perks you can reset. And and the reason why they've reset them this time is because they've actually gone in and completely rebalanced and retweaked all of the perks. Uh, to try and make them actually more balanced. To try and make them all more relevant. And to give players a better chance at uh, playing through the game and actually enjoying it uh they've also reworked the money as well too so um there's there's some good changes here and i think again going back to the original statement that i made at the beginning of this section if you were jumping into cyberpunk 2077 on the next gen versions for the first time this will be a very good experience for you because you will be experiencing the game in its best state, obviously, because it's the most recent patch, but because they have finally gotten to a point where the base interactions in the world are are more akin to what they suggested it was going to be at launch now for veteran players like myself you may want to jump in as a fresh playthrough it's going to be kind of tedious because you've always you, you, you may be like me and, and have already gone through all of the the romance options and seen what those are and you know if if that's what you want to do that's that's definitely a good way to go i'm probably going to go and check out some more of the different things but I, I was hoping that we were going to get more story. Um, I'm hoping that more story is still coming down the line. They haven't said anything about that, uh, but they really need to do something to kind of progress the story on if, if they want this game to have any legs. Uh, this is definitely not the blood and wine update for, for Witcher 3 that I was hoping for, uh, but it is definitely getting it to a state where other people who have been holding out for the next-gen version are going to enjoy it, and I think that's kind of the biggest thing here. Thank mm-hmm. you. The last bit of news that I'm going to talk about with uh, Xbox particularly pertains to a game that I do a podcast for in whole, Uh, but because this week's episode for Sea of Thieves is actually going to be an interview with the devs, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the latest adventure that just kicked up, Shrouded Island. So if you are a fan of Sea of Thieves or you don't know anything about it, um, Sea of Thieves is probably one of my favorite games uh, that has come out. If you don't know. I've got a tattoo of their logo on my arm. It seems crazy, but it's a, it's an amazing logo and I had to get it. Um, and they came out with a recent update that I think will kick off the next year of story for Sea of Thieves um, the Shrouded Islands is the first two week adventure uh, for these this this next season it's about an hour's worth of gameplay if you get uninterrupted and you get to run around and do some interesting stuff and many of the islands in Sea of Thieves have now been shrouded in this green fog which pertains a lot to the Sea of the Damned a place where you go when you die now you're going to be introduced to a new character called Bell, who is the legend of the deep when in reference to the Sea of the Damned. And as she sends you out to go investigate these islands, you will soon find out you will be running into uh, shrouded phantoms um, who are kind of retelling uh, memories of stuff that has happened in the world prior to you being there or during times where you weren't there and it's really interesting there's a lot of lore to dive into i'm not going to do any of that in this episode because again i do an entire podcast about Sea of Thieves, uh which if you're interested and you don't know which you probably do it is called keelhaul but if you're just coming across this as an Xbox show and you wanted to learn more about Sea of Thieves, uh, definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, I've I've really enjoyed it. I had a good time working my way through that adventure. And then afterwards I went and uh, tucked on someone's crows or some, I, I hid in someone's crow's nest uh, as they were working on the adventure and when they finally got to a point where uh, they they were off on the island for a while I took their ship I rammed it into a rock so that it would start taking on water and then I sailed it to a nearby island where uh, it sank and I killed them and then took their their emissary flag and then sold it and yeah it was just it was a lot of fun but it's beautiful Sea of Thieves is, is one of those amazing games where the design team and the uh, artist team or the environments team they know how to build uh feelings in in through the aesthetics through the atmosphere of this game and it's it's amazing to see i'm i'm really happy that they're working on telling a story over the course of a year in little chunks that are two weeks with uh, a week in between and then two weeks after that and kind of moving the story forward little by little, very akin to how Destiny 2 does. So if you've been playing Destiny 2, you're familiar with the way that they do their seasons. Their story is now told throughout that season and when a new season begins, it usually kicks off a new bit of story. So Sea of Thieves is approaching this. This is their first really strong go at it and so far I think they're doing a pretty good job. It's a very low bar to enter as far as the uh you know how much of a time commitment this is you can really jump in and do it in in an hour to two hours if you're if you're messed around with uh jump in with some friends have some fun it's Seriously, one of the best exclusives for or for for Xbox. If you if you haven't been playing Sea of Thieves, uh, there's a lot to it. There's a lot that's going on with it. Uh, unless you're a huge, uh, you know, if you're if you're someone that's completely against pirates, that's probably one of the main things that I would recommend is is turning you off about this. Uh, but if you don't mind pirates and you like a you like adventure, this is definitely worth jumping into. Sure diving into some Sony news this week let's talk a little bit about Horizon Forbidden West uh, this is the biggest game that is coming out for Sony from the first party seems like Sony has a lot of their games coming out in the first half of the year whereas Xbox typically leans towards the last half of the year and already on Open OpenCritic uh, Horizon Forbidden West is sitting at 89 which is you know most of the outlets are, are giving it pretty high scores it's a 9 out of 10 for ign uh, games radar has a 4.5 um you've got Gamespot at an 8 out of 10 game informer former at a 9.3 out of 9.3 really game informer oh my gosh just uh, i don't even know what kind of scale that is uh but it looks like overall this game is doing really really well in fact based on some of the research that i did on open critic uh horizon forbidden west and total war uh, Warhammer 3, which also came out, um, I guess it was yesterday technically on the on the 17th. Uh, both of those games are sitting at the same uh, uh, score, both at 89. So for if you're a PC fan and you're you're looking forward to Warhammer 3, looks like it's a great game. Looks like a lot of people are happy with it. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West, talking about consoles, looks like it is going to be an an amazing game. Um, again, I've never played through Horizon uh, Zero Dawn. I never made it past uh i think like the introductory area but that's on me i do want to play it. i will go back to play it because it was definitely a game that uh, i just did not own the console at the time i ended up picking up a switch and going with zelda breath of the wild which is arguably i think maybe the better game but i uh, again haven't played zero dawn so can't really speak to that uh so kudos to gorilla games on their launch i think they Took everything that they had with Horizon Zero Dawn and just made it better. They just uh, they they built out the story, they built out the world. They they took all of the criticisms of the first game and applied fixes to those with their newest iteration. It looks amazing on PS5 and it's still available for PS4. Uh, some of the the information that I did want to jump into about this, Sony for whatever reason still is is really kind of making it difficult for people to realize that you can buy the ps4 version and just kind of with cyberpunk uh use the ps4 version to get the ps5 upgrade Uh, it'll prompt you to get the upgrade you then install the ps5 version but you will be playing uh, with the authentication for the disc for the ps4 version so you should only be paying at most 60 bucks for this game regardless of which version uh you want you should unless it's the digital deluxe version that's a whole nother thing but if you just want the base game don't pay the 70 pay the 60 and get jim ryan to be uh uh, eating his words on this i guess would be the way to go about it um but let's, let's, you know, the negative aside, let's talk about something positive for Horizon Forbidden West outside of the actual game itself. Uh, Sony is going to be planting a tree for every player who earns a specific trophy in Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, this story comes to us from IGN, from George Yang. Thank you, IGN, for always providing a lot of good information for us. And they announced uh, on the 15th of February that they have a plant in play or a play-in plant program uh, to commemorate the release of Horizon, Horizon Forbidden West. Sonya will be working with the Arbor Day Foundation and will donate one tree to a forest restoration project for every player who unlocks the Reached the Daunt trophy in-game. Based on some of the information that we've seen from this, it does not look like uh, this is going to be a trophy that is hard to achieve. Uh, it looks like it's something that automax un- uh, or unlocks automatically early in the game's story. So realistically, this is a a good way to... Uh, if you plan on playing it right off the bat here's the thing if you plan on playing this game when it launches you have until march 25th to get this achievement it does not seem like it is very hard uh, and it is estimated that about 288,000 trees will be needed from them to be able to uh, help out with the three restoration projects that the arbor day foundation is working towards um just looking at this it it is clearly a marketing thing they want you to buy the game they want you to buy the game within the first month and they want you to play the game because it's it's for a good cause Uh, so while this is a marketing ploy to get you to buy the game at full price uh, the fact that you're doing this is is still actually helping the world so it's a win-win for those who are looking forward to playing this game, who are caught up on the story from the first one and wanted to jump in. Uh, I, I'll be very interested to see what the game sales are like after the first uh, month to kind of see you know what things are like, but we probably won't see that until the end of March. We may see the end of the, the February results, and given that this is launching uh, this week, today... It is, uh, it, we'll probably see at least within the first couple million uh, for sales of this. I know already uh, it is doing very well on Twitch. Actually, I wonder if I could pull up Twitch just to kind of see what they, uh, what the, the number of people streaming this game is right now. Uh, let's see, 56.9 thousand viewers are watching Forbidden West. Um, this is, uh, of course, at like one thirty five a.m., on friday morning uh the day of its release so already uh, a lot of people are following this watching it it's very popular so good on them for for you know coming out with a very strong launch it's reviewed well and i think they actually gave them a pretty good lead time on this as well too i think they gave them uh, a fair amount of time to kind of dig into this game and actually play through Uh, to make sure that, you know, people are getting a good uh, idea of like what the story is actually going to be like as well as the side content. So looking forward to it, I'm going to hold off. Um, So I I probably won't, (laughs) probably won't be contributing to the plant a tree uh, program that they're doing for this. But, uh, you know, part of it's also the fact that they are kind of, you know, buying into that idea that like you, you have to buy the game. You, they want you to buy the game to be able to, uh, to do this. Um, so I typically save money on these things. I think I bought Horizon Forbidden Dawn for like 15 bucks when, when I did get it. And I think it was the complete edition at that. So I got like the, uh, the expansion and whatnot really kind of saved myself a lot of money, uh, in that aspect. Um, so yeah, it's kind of up to you guys. You know, if you want to plant a tree, now's a good opportunity and you get to play a great game. Uh, but if you don't, you can save some money later on down the line, maybe plant a tree on your own. Go out and buy some and then put them in your backyard. I don't know. Do you have a backyard? You probably do. The last story for Sony that I wanted to jump into deals with Sifu, uh, one of the console exclusives over there. This game has been doing really well. Uh, I've been very, very impressed with people who've been looking forward to playing this. It is It is a Jackie Chan uh movie in in game form uh but with a really good uh protagonist and you're just kind of going out and getting revenge against five different uh masters uh or martial arts masters um The reason I'm bringing up, as this is something that has already come out, is that Sifu may actually be getting difficulty modes, um, which was, you know, that is a very interesting thing that I was talking about with uh, Elden Ring. So um, the story is coming to us from Eurogamer.net, and this one is by Vicky Blake. Thank you, Vicky, uh, for writing this up. Slow Clap, who is the developer of the the, uh, the game, has committed to improving the accessibility for its new fighting game, Sifu. Talking to accessibility advocate, the blind gamer Steve Saylor, who if you don't know, Steve Saylor uh, has a lot of clout when it comes to accessibility uh, and has constantly been um, speaking to trying to make sure that games are more accessible for everyone. He is very nearsighted from what I understand um, and plays with a very large screen to uh, make sure that you can kind of see what's going on and I think his review of The Last of Us 2 was one of the uh, biggest testaments to just how much a, a good accessibility program built from the very get-go uh, when designing a game can really open up the uh, the game that you are making to as large of an audience as possible I think of this a lot in movie terms um when movies come out you generally want to shoot for a pg-13 rating and the reason for that is because you're not just trying to get the uh the parents to come see that you're not just trying to get adults to come watch this movie you're trying to get a parent or, or you know adults who have kids who don't want to have to pay for a babysitter to go out to see a movie on top of, the cost, uh, of of going to see the film itself so you make a pg-13 film which will be safe for kids above 13 and that way the whole family can go and actually see it it, it opens it up to a broader audience and offers an experience for the whole family as opposed to just the adults uh, while r-rated movies are still something that i i think is very needed in the games in or in the movie industry uh, those don't necessarily have to be something that um are are the most prolific cuz i think you are cutting out an audience and i definitely know i would have hated if there were movies i couldn't go to see or i couldn't go see between uh you know pg and r rated films so pg13 really just kind of is the the main one that you want to shoot for kind of like t for teen in in games so when I think about accessibility uh, and I think about you know trying to get games as as accessible as possible so that everyone can play them because as Xbox likes to say when everybody plays we all win and that's true you you don't go out and you don't build a game and just build it so that only a small section of people can play this game and even a smaller section of that of that population will actually beat it. Generally, most game or most designers, I would say, and I, you know, as as someone who is not a designer uh, but has designer friends, I, from what I can tell, most of them want their games to be played. That's why they build games; is they want to make a game that someone's going to play. And if you don't, if you make a game that is so hard that when the reviews come out for it, and they're like, "This is a hard game." Most people probably won't get past level two and it is a five level game that really does kind of shut out a large portion of people uh, who are are kind of uh, trigger warned about things that are called Dark Souls uh, or Souls games. You know, if, if a game is a Souls game, then most people are probably going to be kind of wary about buying it because much like Returnal, much like, um, oh gosh, what was the other one that just came out? Oh, I can't think of what the other one was, but there was another one that came out, and it's it's bugging me that I can't remember, uh, that are just really, really hard games, and they're unapologetically hard. Uh, Returnal, very much so, very, very uh, long time commitments asked of it at the beginning of the game, and they eventually added in ways for you to create save states so that you could return to the game because you weren't going to have the hour to two hours to be able to do a full run of that roguelike game. Uh, So even it added accessibility options post-launch because they realized if you want people to play your game, you have to afford opportunities for people to have accessibility uh, to the game. You have to do this. So why bring it up with Sifu? Well, with this, uh, with this, this Steve Saylor interview that happened over on Twitch Gaming uh, with the co-founder Pierre uh, Tarno, uh, they said that that the, they basically want to add better captions, high contrast mode for PS4 and PS5. Uh, it was on PS or, or was on play or, or PC, but not on on PS4 or PS5 at launch due to a bug and difficulty modes um, that are going to be very similar to how metroid dread another game that came out and was unapologetically hard there was a boss in metroid dread i could not get past i stopped playing that game because i got sick of being frustrated with it i couldn't figure out how to beat it i couldn't dedicate so much time to where i was just beating my head against the wall in 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 all earnest if you're not going to make a game that i can beat uh on on you know after dying five or six times then I'm probably not going to care long enough to continue on with it because there's so many other games out there that I can put on an easier mode and enjoy the story. Something I'll get into in a little bit with what I missed because of World of Warcraft. Uh, But I have really been... Uh, kind of stopped by hard games nowadays I don't care if the game is hard if the game is hard then I'm probably not going to jump into it because if you stop me from enjoying your game because you decided that the game was uh going to have to have a difficulty spike then that's fine I enjoyed as much of that game as I was going to get out of it up to the threshold where I could not beat the thing that you asked me to beat and I'm okay with that because it's, to me, it's not, a, it's not a pissing contest. I don't care if I'm good enough to prove that I'm worthy of playing your game. If i'm not then i'm not and i'm not going to waste my time with it um so i'm glad to see that they're doing this uh if you're not familiar i I remember talking about this uh in prior episodes with the metroid dread i'll just rehash it real quick the easy mode is basically giving you more life when you can regain life so i don't know if uh the easier mode will reduce the number of uh the the multiplayer or the no what is it the multiplier for your deaths so in tifu when you die if you die one time at 20, you get 21. If you die again, your multiplier goes up to two. So when you die at 21, you then uh, die or you then age up two levels, and then it goes on a a a, a multiplier for that. So two deaths becomes. Uh, three so then you 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 uh, your no your your age goes up by three times of what it is currently it's a weird system but it does it does actually make sense and you die at 70 so it's it's a i like this system i think it's unique uh but i don't necessarily know until we know more about how it's actually going to be implied but they've also got the uh the harder difficulty with their suggesting which will be for the real challenge uh for people and with Metroid Dread, it is basically one hit, one kill. That is something that is easily added to uh, Sifu, I think. In this case, if you get hit, you know you do have a a dodge and parry mechanic, uh, very much like a Souls game. And if you achieve that, then you won't get hit. Uh, you can also block, but I imagine a harder mode would probably remove the ability to block, or at least take a lot more stagger damage uh, if you do get hit while you are blocking. So it is is less. Uh, incentivized for you to block and, and probably more towards actually dodge and dodge and parry but uh, getting into the other that stuff is is something i can't really speak to because i i have not played it and i probably won't play it um in general <laughs> if i'm being i was thinking about it and i was like no nope, i probably won't play this it looks cool i don't think i have the time or the patience to really jump into it uh i know what i like and what i don't like and i don't think this is something that i will like Let's close out with uh, the, the news this week that came from Nintendo's perspective. Um, real quick, the uh, the Retro Studio, the studio that was hired on, uh, who originally did the Metroid Prime games, uh, they were then given Metroid Prime 4 after Nintendo uh, completely destroyed everything that they were planning for Metroid Prime 4. They, they were making Metroid Prime 4. It wasn't going well, and they just, just wiped it completely. And then they hired Retro Studios, which is not the same team that was working on the original prime franchise they're now they are now working on uh, metroid prime 4 so the the big thing here is is that they changed their twitter banner to reflect a metroid prime uh it has samus in a blue open area in some sort of craft and it is just a silhouette of her with a long cascading shadow that reaches towards the front of the screen with some really unique lighting um this is basically them kind of stating like hey we're still working on metroid prime 4 it's not something that's being scrapped we don't know when it's coming out we can't even imagine at this point um they they started up production i think a year and a half ago at this point uh so there's a good chance we're probably still a good three to four years at the earliest uh before we start seeing some content from them I can't imagine what a prime four is going to look like. Um, I I really enjoyed prime one, but I never got a chance to play two or three. I'm really hoping that Nintendo uh, does some really good justice to their consumers and releases the trilogy. Like they had on, uh, I think it was on the Wii, probably the Wii U. Um, But if, if, if it's available then they should just release it for the switch uh realistically like if they want to keep metroid prime alive metroid dread, dread did a lot for the the sake of the fans uh who wanted to to play a metroid game and uh having the the prime trilogy available will help kind of keep this notion that Metroid is still in the zeitgeist alive uh, but as it stands it's <laughs> it's not something that a lot of fans really have much faith in Nintendo actually doing. Uh, not too unlike what their plans are in the coming year. So if you are still kind of lingering on some of the past consoles with the uh, the Wii U and the 3ds, I can't say that I blame you because the library that those two consoles offer is absolutely insane um the whole reason why i bought a switch was because of the wii u um the wii u was on its last leg Uh, i had heard rumors of the nx and i decided to pick up a 3ds before the nx came out back in 2016 uh, because i wanted to play a lot of the n64 games and uh, snes games that were available for the 3ds i had been uh without a nintendo console for a very long time i love zelda uh, way more than 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 I ever thought I ever would. Like Zelda has just been in my life for a very, very long time, and as a result, I wanted to be able to have access to those games. So knowing that the Wii U was going to be on its way out and that the Switch was going to be on its way in, I anticipated the Wii U to uh, or the Switch to offer the same system that the Wii and the Wii U had with their virtual console. They started up the virtual console which is a way to emulate games. And they sold all of their backwards or all of their past games on these consoles. And a lot of people really enjoyed them. The emulation wasn't always the best, but it was still the best way to play these games if you didn't have that old hardware, which I don't because for whatever reason, when I moved up to Alaska, all of my uh, Nintendo 64 and GameCube games all just disappeared. The consoles disappeared. I don't know if they were stolen. I don't know if my parents sold them. I have no clue what happened to them. They could be somewhere lost in the tundra and I don't know, but I had to move away without those. It's always been a pain point because it's it's basically lost at this point. I will never have my original copies of Prime or Wind Waker or the uh, the bonus pack with uh, uh, N64 and the uh, master mode, which had backwards uh, versions of all the dungeons for uh, the N64 Orca Arena time. My Game Boy player's gone. I will never have my Game Boy Advance player that was uh, on the on the GameCube at the time. I have no clue where that stuff is, and I hate that. I absolutely hate that. It still bugs me to this day. Uh, but getting past that, the reason we're bringing this up is because Nintendo is deciding to close the 3DS and Wii U eShops, and they have no plans to offer classic content in other ways. This story comes to us from Nintendo Life, uh, from Liam... Uh, dueling? Liam? I'm sorry about that. Uh, But Liam wrote up this article and says that Nintendo has announced the discontinuation of the 3D eShop and the Wii U eShop as of late March 2023. While you'll still be able to re-download games and DLC, receive software updates, and play online beyond this date, the ability to purchase games will no longer be possible, and new content will no longer be released on these digital storefronts. Credit cards can no longer be used to add funds as of 23rd of may that's the may 23rd of 2022 so right now this is the end of february so if you're looking to do anything with these e-shops you want to make sure that you add the funds prior to the end of may in 2022 and niche uh, Nintendo eShop card funds can no longer be added to the eShop which is just the virtual currency on the the gift cards uh, as of August 29th 2022 so a little bit longer so if you buy the eShop cards uh, those can be added up until August 29th 2022 however download codes can still be redeemed until late March 2023 so this really kills me um I still have my 3DS. I never picked up a Wii U, obviously, because I picked up the Switch. uh, But I kind of wish that the Wii U was something that was easily accessible. um, Because the Virtual Console, while not the best emulation, uh, I think still really offers the the best legal means for most people to pick up Wii and 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 gamecube games at this point like and, and we're talking consoles from 2001 to 2007 i think 2007 when the wii u came out i can't remember i was not into motion controls at that point i was deep into world of warcraft and that's that's just how it goes uh so just genuinely really weird because as not only did they announce that this was something that was going to be uh, happening, but they went out and and told you it was like, hey, do you want to go check out your 3ds and Wii U memories? And you can go to the, you can go to their website and look up how long you played on their on their stuff. And it's just it's like, really, you're gonna rub in my face all the time that I spent on my 3ds, and then you're gonna tell me that I'm not gonna be able to purchase anything from the stores, you know, past May of of these things. And I'm just like, you guys, every, it's like a, it's like a damn monkey paw. I swear. It's like a damn monkey paw. Every time Nintendo does something that seems good, there's always some sort of like horrible thing as a result. Like, you you know, if, if a monkey paw, like you get rich. From wishing to be rich from a monkey's paw and you find out that it was because a relative of yours died and you inherited all of their fortune and it's just like that's not what i asked for i just asked to be rich well nintendo It's like a damn monkey paw, man. Uh, You want uh, uh, Zelda games to come to the Nintendo Switch system? Awesome. Here's uh, a remaster of of, uh, Skyward Sword, Uh, but you're not getting the trilogy. So you don't get uh, Twilight Princess or um, Wind Waker with it. You're just getting Skyward Sword. And it's like, well, what about those two? It's like, too bad. But, But you have them remastered on the Wii U too bad i can't stand it sometimes i really can't it's so infuriating uh they they just will not do anything that actually makes sense that's not consumer uh consumer friendly and i just i wish they were the consumer friendly company that i want them to be uh i'm seriously xbox has spoiled me with backwards compatibility with smart delivery like being able to buy an xbox game like splinter cell and throw it into my series x and just have it update and be able to play it is it like it? Just, it blows my mind. It's like that's the way you do it. That's how PCs work. It's exactly how PCs work. If I want to run an emulated version of Windows ninety five and install Diablo one on there, I can do it. I don't have to. I don't have to screw around with that. Why are consoles so much different from this? And it kills me that it's all just emulation at this point. It's not like it's running on original hardware. It's all simulated hardware, and it's all just code running off of that hardware like we've been doing this for years there are so many good alternatives out there that do this exact thing that are just not legal and it kills me because it's like if the opportunity is there we will do it for legal reasons but if you're not going to offer this then of course we're going to we're going to you know we're going to go to where we can do it and not to mention this also really just kills a a large portion of the digital only Uh, uh, Games that are available, which which, uh, I think it was over. I I can't remember who was saying it, but I remember hearing that there was like over a thousand games that are going to be lost as a result of this, which is just (laughs) just so depressing. Uh, Yeah, here we go. So the uh, Nintendo Life had another article that came out that the Video Game uh, History Foundation calls out Nintendo's destructive quotes, uh, 3DS and Wii U eShop closure, uh, asking them to rethink things uh, when it comes to game preservation. There are uh yeah so okay so this article is is also from Liam. Uh, a little more more up to date than the one that I was just talking about. Nintendo this week announced that the closure. Uh so now there are roughly 2000 games that will no longer be purchasable on the 3DS and Wii U digital storefronts because they are shutting these down. And that's that's really that's a terrible thing especially given that there's a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to preserving celebrating and teaching the history of video games for people and closing shops like this while inevitable is really bummer considering like the switch is only five years old at this point like it's barely been out it's it's not it's like halfway through its life Time and, and you're already killing the e-shops for the 3DS, which, given the 3DS, as far as I, I I recall, is one of the best-selling hardware syst- systems that Nintendo ever launched. So it's just like, oh man, it's it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and I hate it. I really do hate it. It, it just makes me bummed every time i see stuff like this happen and i just i just wish it didn't happen as as frequently as it seems to do because they just did this with the sony ps vita and uh uh, ps i can't remember what it is but the the vita just had the same issue and people were uh panicking because they, they weren't going to have enough opportunity to pick up the digital games that they wanted to on their vita which is still a really good handheld console like what the heck people come on All right. So in what I missed because of World of Warcraft, I wanted to talk about uh, Uncharted 2. I finished Uncharted 2. Um, I'm moving into Uncharted 3. I really oh my god I can't tell you guys uncharted 2 I, I started listening to people talking about lost legacy and I gotta say everyone seems to really think that uncharted 2 was definitely the best out of the out of the different games and I can see why uh, the move to different biomes was amazing the ending was uh, great I, I love that the bosses and, and uncharted games feel like a victory lap that they aren't really really intense or really really hard to beat uh, so by the time you get done with this really amazing story um that you're just you're able to finish it up and just kind of sit back and think yep it was great that was a really 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 fun game and i'm really glad that we got to do it uh uncharted movie is opening uh this weekend and it doesn't seem like a lot of people are very happy with it um apparently they're also making a cuphead movie over at netflix and a bioshock movie over at netflix and a sonic 3 movie is already in production and sonic 2 is coming out and it's it looks like it's going to be good uh but uncharted 2 is really really good um i gotta say i really I, I think they killed it with uh, the action adventure. I can see why um, a lot of games have started to implement kind of this cinematic feel. I think this is really kind of the 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 really kicking off what Sony fans have come to love, which is ironic given that it really has not been that that long of a period of time. Like this was uh, what I understand is the PS3 era of gaming. So Sony fans have really not had this type of gaming. Uh, for a very long time, I think that that uh, other platformers and stuff were doing things kind of like this with the story. But um, this style of action adventure, which now if we're looking forward to Horizon Forbidden West, is very apparent. Like the, the roots of how these games are built are coming from games like Uncharted, games like Tomb Raider. So being able to finish up Uncharted 2 has been a real boon to my uh, gaming experience. Much like in the way that I play through all of the Halo games. I got through all of those and I really love those. Um, one of these days I may actually sit down and talk about them but I don't know what I can really say that hasn't already been said I think they're great I think my ranking of the Halo games is way different than what most people's ranking is but I think that a lot of other people's rankings of Halo games is tinged with the acceptance that it also had the multiplayer at the time whereas I didn't play through the multiplayer for all of these games I, I just played through the actual story uh, and and with you know going into Uncharted three a lot of people seem to be less in, in enamored with this one i think a lot of people think uh two's the best and then probably lost legacy with four and then one and then three if that's right if if uh, and i mean that's gonna be it's gonna vary depending on who you're talking to but overall um man god uncharted 2 absolute killer game You really I do think uh, you do have to play through one to really appreciate the furthering of the story between the characters that are available. I think Chloe was an amazing addition to uh, the game and the end line with her, uh, you know, to to Drake is hilarious. And then Sully afterwards is just it's great. Um, at no point did I ever think that any of the characters in the game were in mortal danger, um, especially given just like how much damage they took. Like, it, I, like Drake gets shot and then like a few days later he's walking around and then, you know, and a few hours after that he's jumping around and it just doesn't seem like it really matters. But it really took me places with the story. I can see why they wanted to make a movie out of this because it is, it is literally an Indiana Jones-esque movie like Temple of the Doom straight up really amazing um so i'm looking forward to jumping into uncharted uh three i want to go see the uncharted movie um i've already been spoiled because of some of the trailers from that and there's some really cool action scenes in there that i'm just like oh god i would have liked to have actually seen that in the theater without being spoiled on that so that's on me i shouldn't have been looking at stuff for it um so i'll just have to accept that that's a thing that's going to be in there uh but Overall, like if you guys haven't played the Uncharted series, like man, try and get get the opportunity to do that because it's it's totally worth it. Really makes me wish that um Sony had a, a, a kind of a FPS boost or a a 4K scaling kind of thing. The way like if uh I'll be honest, I really wish the Xbox had Uncharted as well, uh so that the backwards compatibility team that's working on the games for Xbox consoles uh were taking a stab at this because. Or, or at least with just un- <laughs> gorilla games going in and giving it some next gen patches, I think would be amazing. I know it's all time and money and stuff, but uh, man, to be able to play those games with some upscaling would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, but the games still hold up. I gotta say, I was I was still playing through them, still enjoying them. Uh, there's a couple of mobs in there that I think are kind of cheap, uh, like the uh, shotgun guys. I think those guys are just cheap as hell, uh, but you know, not a problem when you got a crossbow that just is like a one hit kill so but yeah that's it for uh what i missed due to world of warcraft uh funny enough i'm jumping back into world of warcraft (laughs) i can't believe i'm doing this uh but i got a good friend who is uh playing um she's been playing for a long time she's a really good friend of mine uh, who I just I miss talking to, uh, but she's playing over on Horde. So I made a, a MooDruid uh, and I'm just kind of running around the Barons right now. And Barons chat is, you know, still Barons chat. It's a big surprise there. Uh, but kind of fun to get back into classic TBC, which is where I'm playing. I'm not playing the uh, retail version. I think retail is really i think it needs a reboot um everything that i've heard from friends uh at the studio and from people who've been keeping up on it have really stated that things have changed a lot over at the studio um which is why i'm feeling a little more comfortable playing their games i've been jumping into uh here's the storm again just cuz i i feel like things are are moving or progressing in a positive way even though uh, you know, horrible human beings like Bobby Kodak are coming out with more news that they have secret companies that are continuing to pump money into politics, which again, I just, I hate, I hate that man so much for no reason other than he just seems like the worst type of human ever. And if there was ever an opportunity to uh, call him an asshole to his face, I probably would um so but that's it i think we're gonna (laughs) i think i'm gonna leave it on that note uh that's it pretty much for the podcast i think too um i I covered the things i wanted to it's still a little bit longer than i want i I really want to try and get this show in in under an hour uh but working on that aside it just kind of comes down to the stories that i pick at this point so if you guys are liking this feel free to let me know uh this is the last week is this the last week for the uh no 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 no. we got one more week there's one more week of the halo giveaway going on again i'm leaving this at the end of the episode on purpose i want to talk about this it is a giveaway code for north america for halo infinite if you don't want to have to have this on game pass forever and you just want a free copy of the game the only way you can do that with me <laughs> is write a review for this show snapshot that review and then send me that picture or send me a way to see that picture on uh uh, at twitter at the xbox wrap up or on gmail at the xbox wrap up at gmail.com again as i always forget to check my email (laughs) i did not receive any emails this week i'm not expecting any but if you want a chance to get that code you're gonna have really good odds really really good odds so take 10 minutes send a send a review You know, give me a five-star review over on iTunes. Uh, Send me a a rating over from Spotify and uh, let me know what you guys think of this uh, podcast. Um, Otherwise, just say hi, you know, come chat with me. I'm I'm doing this because I wanted to have an outlet, not because I'm trying to build a platform. If it turns into a platform, cool. If not, no worries. At least I get to talk about games, which is what I wanted to do in the first place. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Xbox Wrap Up. Again, hope you guys enjoy the news. Don't worry about uh, listening for all that stuff that goes on throughout the week because I got you covered here on Fridays.